Hello again, I am back here at Roundhouse Park. I'm your host, Matthew Nigabauer, coming to you live to air from, as I said, Roundhouse Park in downtown Toronto, Ontario, Canada. This is your Saturday Fan Expo Canada check-in. Uh, just left the con for the day, going down to the Toronto FC game later at the CNE. Going to brave the crowds there. Brave the crowds here at the Saturday of the con. I'm going to tell you it was a fun day. Pro tip. These conventions are always more fun when you strike up conversations, get to know people, get to hear what they think, even ask someone what they thought about The Last Jedi, and he hated it, and I was glad to hear him share his opinion. Um, fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, and first of all, i got to give the rundown for what I ended up doing today. Thankfully, I got all my shopping done, which is great, at least so I thought. Uh, <laughs> get to that in a second. Walked in, lined up for Jonathan Frakes, two-hour lineup. I was fourth in line. It was just chatted with the people there, all about conventions. Turns out, this is what I learned that not line. First of all, I was wrong about the stats. New York is bigger than San Diego. New York Comic Con is bigger than San Diego Comic Con. Just that San Diego is the higher profile. In 2016, we were always the third biggest. In 2016, when we had Mark Hamill, we had, had Alan Tudyk, uh, I believe who else we have, I forget who else we had there, what I can, Brent Spiner, what I consider my greatest fan moment, my, my favorite fan moment of my life, I'm not exaggerating, Fan Expo Canada 2016, we actually leapfrogged San Diego and were number two in the world, or at least two in North America, I should say, in Japan and Europe, they have a lot better there. So, anyway, fun little fact there um, to add to the lore that was 2016, but to the 2019 edition, uh, we are about, I'm going to say, five-eighths of the way through. Uh, it is now 5.26 p.m. on Saturday. Brent Spider, you know, he only went for half an hour, not Brent Spider, Jonathan Frank, sorry. He went for half an hour, uh, but it was a very full half hour talked about uh, I mean he talked about how he couldn't tell say anything about the Picard show about getting back into acting and how he he has been in the past nervous about getting back into acting because he's mainly a director now and he's been directing on Discovery and one fan asked this great question about very distinct visual style very strong images and strong action and uh, turns out he said uh, very original style. No, I just steal from Stanley Kubrick, and I steal from <laughs> all these uh, all these great directors. Um, even when he uh, directing First Contact, very much everyone learns from the best and how to tell stories. He was open on that. Very funny, entertaining, as you might expect from the uh, well, the actor who played Will, Ry Will Riker, who you know, a bit more straight laced than his acting counterpart directing counterpart but he was able to get back into the saddle and uh, into the acting saddle and he's he's showing up on Picard uh, says Patrick Stewart is 79 years old still owning the screen owning the show on his game Marina Sirtis who has just finished a play in the West End of London she's on her game as well very much and so there's Jonathan Frakes coming in 
acting again after directing so much. Uh, was able to ease himself into it and really looking forward to everything even more so than I was already. Uh, he said he likes directing better than acting. Uh, he didn't really go into why, but I suspect it has to do with artistic freedom and artistic vision, leadership of a good team, and, and his his the team for Discovery. His team on Discovery was there in the hall, in the room with him. Um, and, yeah, and just being very thankful and grateful for their input too. Very entertaining. Held the room for half an hour. No, no moderator needed. Yeah, only half an hour, but it felt very full. Fully worth the two-hour wait. <laughs> two-hour lineup. Where I chat with some, some folks. All right, I'm got my take a swig of this ice aroma. This is a, a fixed drum for Christ's sake, and here's what beverage I'm drinking while I'm recording. So here we go. Uh, nice and sweet and somewhat caffeinated. So I went from there, and yeah, I just wanted to keep it chill so walked around knew that at 1 p.m. was the most anticipated panel of this convention for me Star Wars publishing panel grab the book out while I have it right here so with Charles Sewell and if I can bear with me here out of my knapsack where's the title the author uh, I didn't say the author's name. I forget what his name is. But it's How to Not Get Eaten by Ewoks. Same author as Star Wars Made Easy, Christian Blauvelt. Same author as Star Wars Made Easy. It was a bit of an impulse buy. Uh, it was actually one of the things Panix does sometimes get uh, firsts and launches and releases and. Uh, Yes, it was all the news from D23 yesterday, which I'm very excited for. Anyway, uh, yesterday, How Not to Get Eaten by Ewoks, that was, the the book launch was yesterday here at Fanex, so I didn't have to go into that. But, very interesting, an in-universe guide, how to survive all the perils, how to, and other galactic skills. If you're trapped on an exploding Death Star, what do you do? If you're being baked to death on Tatooine, what do you do? If you're being taken over by a parasitic Geonosian brainworm, what do you do? How do you get out of it? How do you, or how do you accept your fate? As that rough and tumble galaxy is, it is in universe. Um, if you, you know, someone in in the actual story, in the actual canon, could pick it up. Doesn't pick sides either way. Has some interesting little tidbits, new content, new information. For example, the, the author Christian mentioned. A beverage that was a deep cut to some video game that I had never played, and Star Group said, "Hey, why not? Let it in." So Christian Bell, though, seem seems like a seems like a fun read. Um, not obviously not the most serious read. On the other side of the coin was Charles Sewell, and he is definitely one of my favorite people in Star Wars right now. That uh, wrote. The amazing Lando comic, although he called it a Lobot comic, because it's really about Lobot. Amazing Lando comic. Wrote Obi-Wan and Anakin, Poe Dameron, and of course, my favorite comic book ever, the 2017 
Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, set in the year after the Revenge of the Sith, and goes through Vader's attempt to forget who Anakin Skywalker is, and so they both both panelists talked about things we know about how to get into the store group, uh, how to how to sorry how to actually get content published, all that stuff. That I'm sure you may have heard of heard about already. He teased Project Luminous still a little more. Couldn't say anything except to say that it's very new, very exciting. And the, the moderator uh, from the Force.net, he also said it was very new and very exciting. Nothing other than the the title Project Luminous with a question mark. So uh, we're guessing everyone's saying something to do with Empire Strikes Back at 40. Luminous, something to do with Yoda, but we really have no idea. They're they're working furiously. These five creatives: Claudia Gray is one of them, and Kevin Scott is one of them. Uh, they are they have a Slack account that they're just chatting with each other on, but we really have no idea. What he did share, and I think this isn't news from uh, from Star Wars Celebration, but. Uh, very fascinating to me was news to me I think then maybe right up but rise of Kylo Ren and Ren to Ben or sorry Ben to Ren I mean shared some things I don't know if he's even he's allowed to share but he isn't sure he's allowed to share basically tell, he's gonna tell the story he was given uh, he, the story group sent him an email gave him a bullet list of these things that someone in the film camp wants to have established about the story between Ben Solo becoming Kylo Ren um, and, and he, said, he said Vader, Anakin, or Vader at least is going to have some uh, role, part to play and said that he got that part he got the, able to write that story in part because of uh, of, of his familiarity, Charles Soule's familiarity with Kylo Ren's grandfather, Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader, as I said, you know, attempt to forget who Anakin is. So, it's a different story, Kylo Ren's attempt to forget who Ben Solo is. As we know, he says, I don't hate Han Solo, he doesn't hate Han Solo, just forget the past, kill it if you have to, let the past die, kill it if you have to what that's all about so he said we're gonna see that story we're gonna find out who the knights of ren are and who are they are as characters we're gonna even hear learn more about who snoke is and all these juicy details i can pretty safely speculate the person from the movie camp was uh, at least the person with the ideas and the thoughts was none other than jj abrams himself i also have a sense that Maybe he wished that Ryan Johnson had taken up those things in Episode Eight, The Last Jedi. Didn't end up doing that, and so they had to go and find another medium to do that because that's just not. I want to say charitably, that's not the story Ryan Johnson wanted to tell. So uh, very interesting that they're giving this to the comic book genre. It's not going to be a novel. It's not going to be comic book medium rather it's not going to be a novel it's not going to be a Disney Plus show 
there's they're not going to try and fit it into the film as much exposition or as much part of the main story of the film or even backstory that we get in exposition in the film they'll probably reference some to it but they're giving it to this medium that maybe doesn't get as much attention as they wanted and so I think part of this is to say hey there's the comics yes they the, I, I should correct myself the, the the main Marvel runs the main comic runs do get in the top hundred of uh, comic book sales but they want to have the story reach out to an even wider audience and so uh, or they want to have comics reach out to a wider audience and so I think that's why they're giving to the comics also the ability to craft a visual story is uh, really important and of course essential to what comics are about uh, as I'll get to it in a second with another panel um, but of course I had to ask Charles Soule saying you know that 2017 run is my favorite run I asked him what is it about the relationship between Anakin and Vader the relationship itself and we said was and what I asked him what's so fascinating about as a storyteller he says that more than any other character who's gone through some sort of transformation Vader is so completely walled off from Anakin mentioned how in Empire when Darth Sidious is talking to his apprentice he's talking to Darth Vader and he says the son of Skywalker as if Anakin Skywalker is a different person with different memories with without the memory of Padme the memory of that moment uh, those moments from Revenge of the Sith where I have a son that of course we see come roaring back in the Jason Aaron I believe Jason Aaron crossover with Kieran Gillen's Vader Vader is so completely walled off and just like we see with Kylo Ren he, he's, he believes he's killed Anakin is, is what it is and uh, that's so fascinating and especially because it's impossible um, you can't successfully do it as we see in the end and so exploring that struggle exploring where he succeeds in part and that's spoiler alert how the 2017 run ends in this very uh, the moderator said metal like vision of uh, uh, of Vader and of Anakin dying dying with Padme you know in, in this beautiful way so that was that panel very much enjoyed it ended up getting the uh, try not to get eaten by Ewoks I'm going to enjoy reading that um, I did try and go pick up Charles Soule's novel that he wrote um, but I'm not too sure if I'll uh, splurge on the cash he, he's an incredible storyteller in his own right and that's of course why he's been given the keys to the 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 black Hot Wheels car that is Darth Vader <laughs> um, but didn't end up doing that uh, met up with someone I know uh, chatted on, on Twitter with a little bit then went to my last panel at 4 o'clock was the uh, uh this 
founding the Marvel Universe, uh, the comics themselves. Um, so Stanley, uh, Steve Ditka, and Jack Kirby. It was an entertaining panel. All three, uh, I don't know how many of them are dead. Stanley just passed away. Um, there's Ty Templeton and a few other authors and, and comic book writers, but authors, people well-versed in the history of Marvel Comics and had gone, uh, had worked for, uh, worked for Marvel, to some do still do work for Marvel, still write for Marvel, uh, had all met these three characters, these three characters. I call them characters, they are larger than life in various ways. Stan Lee, of course, with his ego, with the allegations that he stole, well, no, they're more than allegations, we know he stole uh, the credit for a lot of characters and a lot of books, but also a very warm, personable guy who really infused his stories and the characters with a lot of warmth and humor, even when Steve Ditka was always very introspective and almost brooding. Um, trouble one of those geniuses that has trouble communicating with the outside world um, we see that and we see that in, in the Spider-Man uh, this is where I think Ty Templeton or one of the other presenters said, he said especially in his Spider-Man stories where uh, he's on his own and struggling with uh, with the consequences of being a superhero uh, we see that that pathos and that's what makes apparent what I haven't really read up too much on Spider-Man all bit. One of the things they say it's what makes a more mature adult Spider-Man more interesting. They talked a bunch about the MCU and that was fascinating how you know you, most a lot of people say how do source material how beloved cherished source material translates into a big screen and they, I mean, they pointed out just why the MCU is so successful is because Kevin Feige and them just picked up the toys that Stan Lee and Steve Ditka and Jack Kirby built, made, didn't try and fix them. They got to the heart of each of these characters, right? It's Tony Stark, this, uh, Stan Lee creates this, you know, who, who are the, the beatniks and the hippies going to hate the most? There's an arms dealer in the Vietnam War, and he becomes a compassionate, wise leader uh, who uses his technology for good. Well, in the MCU, we have the same thing. It's just translated into 2008. So he's an arms dealer in the Afghanistan War. It's also relatively unpopular. Uh, and... Uh, learns to translate or, or becomes a wise, compassionate person and uh, a wise leader and, and uses technology for good the proof that Tony Stark has a heart so those examples they kept a lot, they honored kept a lot of the designs and it made an, they made an interesting comment so Marvel movies feel like Marvel comics DC movies feel like they're embarrassed about the DC characters which is unfortunate because the DC characters, I you know, haven't read much, but what I have read is all always fantastic. Always the dark, edgy Zack Snyder doing his thing, but still very, very human, very uh, able to, to reflect on our world. And 
they, they, it, it just, yeah, they, they say they don't, they haven't captured the heart of what the comics are trying to do, whereas with Marvel they have. Uh, very engaging, informative panel. I think I want to check out Ty Templeton a lot more. He's here in Toronto. Because um, that's, yeah, I'll admit that's a history I'm not too familiar with, and so something I want to look at. Especially as I, you know, I'm reading Tiny Coates' Captain America and how that's a reflection on what America is today. I'm reading uh, Captain Marvel and uh, the, the feminist story, feminist angle. And it's not just a feminist, but realist. Well, that is feminism. I should, <laughs> I should be clear with myself here. Showing a real story about a real woman in the world. That can be profoundly empowering. So, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm left today at Fan Expo 2019, more energized, relaxed, um, a lot less broke. Well, no less broke than I was yesterday. <laughs> no, no, far in the hole. Um, I'm okay. I'm fine financially. Don't you worry, guys. I'll be good. <laughs> uh, but you know how cons are, right? That's the thing I realized about cons. You know, the Hasbro EB, this is just a personal self-disclosure bit here. The stuff they sell, the toys, the, the dark series, the black series stuff, I could buy those online. I could buy those at Toys R Us. This is what I do is I wait till cons to splurge. You know, I don't know if I share this wisdom or not. I'm not likely to buy stuff outside of cons. And so... Oh, wait, took conventions to buy stuff. So, that's why I don't mind going to the, the Hasbro EB stuff and buying stuff I can get anywhere. It's a, a good time to enjoy uh, enjoy what's available. And not just the Hasbro EB, of course. All the stuff that strikes my fancy. Um, so, with that, I know uh, it's a bit of a longer check-in, but I hope you've enjoyed... Uh, my my thoughts, my feelings about Saturday at Fan Expo Canada 2019. One more day to go. Don't really plan on going to any panels, but we'll see what turns up. Um, yeah, this has been uh, Matthew Nugumel. You can give me a follow on Twitter at NUG485, on Instagram at MNUG1138. Thanks for listening, and may the force be with you always.